This is Spin Control, a Fibercraft podcast by a joyful girl. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Spin Control, episode 137, Let's Talk Fleece. In this episode, I've got a little bit of knitting, a whole lot of spinning, a little tale for you about what I'm learning from the Gotland Fleece. I'm going to put my spin on my latest read, but of course, we will kick this episode off with some updates. So the boy had his surgery, but that was interesting (laughs) in and of itself, just even getting to the procedure. His surgery was scheduled for February 15th. And that day just happened to have severe weather in the forecast, like lots and lots and lots of blowing snow, right? So he got up early. We got ready to head to the procedure. There wasn't a whole ton of snow at that point at our house. There was only like an inch. But the issue was that the forecast projected like a foot of snow to happen over like the next eight hours. So his procedure got canceled. However, he is a nurse in an operating room and one of the, one of the sister facilities out here that he works at has inpatients and an emergency room. So their operating room is always functioning. So he actually headed into work instead of heading to surgery because his procedure was canceled. However, because he works in the operating room and actually knows his surgeon, he got it rescheduled for that afternoon. The biggest issue with that was that I was 45 minutes away working and had to get to the hospital so I could actually drive him home from surgery. He had his truck at the hospital. My brother drove me out there and dropped me off. And it was like a super long day. We didn't get home until like 9.30 p.m. But the procedure went well. He's recovering well. He is doing really well. He had a bunch of torn ligaments in his shoulder. And he feels quite tortured (laughs) because he actually, he put off having surgery for a really long time. He finally convinced himself to actually schedule it and get it done because it was like keeping awake at night. Like that's how much pain he had in his shoulder. But he's going to be just fine. He'll go back to work in within the next two weeks, but he's doing well. And, you know, I've had some unscheduled pajama days, which is awesome. So like the first weekend after he had surgery, I had a couple of modified pajama days. So when I was younger, they used to just be pajama days. I would get up, I would tool around my house, have coffee, eat, knit, and just hang out in my pajamas all day. They're modified pajama days now because typically... Um, it just drives me crazy. Like when my hair is dirty and all over the place. So I typically will get up, exercise, shower, and then put my pajamas back on and have the modified pajama day. So I got a few of those this weekend, which is awesome. I try to have at least one pajama day a month, you know, just a day where there's no scheduled events, no pressure to do anything or be anywhere. And I can just chill out, watch awful TV and knit. So I got a couple of those and that makes me happy. And he's doing well, which makes me even happier. In addition, I'm like so super proud of us right now. Bird moved into a new apartment 
in Denver. Like her lease came up, blah, 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 roommate stuff. And she had to move. So the boy, of course, was not able to help us because he had shoulder surgery. My brother also stepped in to help there. We're about an hour south of Denver. And what we did is we got in the car. We headed to Denver. We got a U-Haul. We filled the U-Haul at her old apartment, unloaded everything at the new apartment, returned the U-Haul, got all the way home in a total of six hours door to door. I am very impressed with myself. I am also very impressed with Bird that she was able to get, you know, all her stuff ready to move so that it was as effective as possible. I mean, literally the move portion, like picking everything up and unloading it at the new place took less than two hours. It was pretty fantastic. And I'm very proud of us for actually pulling that off and not making it like a whole super long day event. We left the house at eight. We got home by 2.30. It was awesome. It was super awesome. And I'm very proud of us. What else is going on with the fam? So itty bitty, I want to tell you just this little thing that made me so pleased. She graduated from high school in 2019. She started college part-time at community college just to kind of help ease her transition into that academic level because she was super stressed out and had no idea what she wanted to do with her life. And then the pandemic hit and that was very hard for her to study completely remotely and try to stay focused and not actually have the human interaction that she would have had if she was on a normal campus during, you know, normal time. But now she just started her full-time nursing program. And so one of the things they're doing as they prepare to do clinical work is they're, you know, learning all these skills, taking blood pressures and doing patient assessments and those sorts of things. And they also do like these demo days, like educational days. She went and did her first one. They worked in a family practice clinic and helped to check in patients, take blood pressures and do a little triage stuff, you know, like you do when you check in for an appointment. And Afterward, I asked her, hey, how was it? Was this awful? Did you hate it? Did you wish that you weren't there? And she said, no, I felt like I was in the right place and I really enjoyed myself. Which, if you knew itty bitty, like up close and personal, that's a huge milestone. She's finally clicking in her grown-up life and she feels like she's in the right place and she's, she's doing really well. And that makes me pleased because there have been some struggles, I would say, over the past eight years or so. But she's doing really good. And I'm very pleased that that she's pleased with what she's doing. It's really weird. Like now that everything's clicking for her, I don't hear from her as much, which makes me a little sad because I don't hear from Itty Bitty very often. But the fact that she's too busy, too happy, and has too much stuff going on, and that's why I don't hear from her, I'll take it. It's a, it's a wonderful trade-off. So yeah, that's what's going on with the fam. In addition and updates, I just wanted to touch on podcast status. Thanks so much to everybody who sent me DMs and went over to the Ravelry group and chimed in on their likes and dislikes and, and their feelings about the podcast because I really totally appreciate it. And I think that the... Uh, Interactions that I've had since I published the last episode have really, you know, helped spark me and reinforce the fact that, yes, there are actually people out there listening. And that makes me super happy that that you're out there and you were willing to share. And hopefully we can keep that momentum going and 
maybe we'll build some more interactions. So most of the stuff that I received from folks came in to me through Ravelry, through direct messages in Ravelry and through the Ravelry forum. So if you don't know, there is a Spin Control Podcast fans group over on Ravelry and it's been kind of quiet for a while, but we can definitely get a little louder over there if y'all are willing to share your thoughts. I'd really appreciate it. And yeah, it makes me feel good. Thanks everybody. Right now there's no plans to change anything about the podcast, except maybe I can improve content and we'll enjoy this ride together. All right. Looks like that's all I've got going on in updates. So I guess it's time to get this podcast started. Let's talk fleece. In this edition of Spin a Tale, instead of telling you some quippy little two-minute story, I decided I was going to dedicate some time to talking through what I'm learning about this Scotland fleece that I'm working on right now. I have figured out that when I wash a fleece, I need to take better care in the execution of washing. I did not felt the fleece. However, it was quite matted. All the cut ends were, well, the majority of the cut ends were matted together pretty well. So I had to spend time on and off throughout like the whole last month separating the locks before I could actually do anything with it and to see if I had lost anything. I learned that I probably washed sections of the fleece in too large of a batch because I had I definitely had some areas where there was more lanolin still left in it wasn't hard or anything like I could definitely feel it transferring onto my hands and it wasn't like too clumped or extreme amounts of lanolin but it was definitely a bit inconsistent throughout the fleece so I started out with a four and a half pound fleece and it looks like in washing and skirting I only lost about 11 ounces what did I end up with so the fleece itself has two different distinct sections and that's another area where I could have taken more care when I was washing I didn't actually separate any of the sections there's a very very dark section of the Gotland fleece that all the staple length of that area is about three inches three to five inches long the remainder of the fleece is more of a silver color and that is all six inches or longer most of it I think is between seven and eight inches long so there's definitely two distinct sections of this fleece and I didn't want to spin them together. So while I was separating all those matted bits and pieces, what I ended up doing was also separating it by staple length. Of the shorter staple length, I've got only about eight ounces, which isn't, you know, like a terrible amount, but I think that's going to be fun to play with. And the remainder, I've got three and a half pounds or no, three pounds, five ounces of the long staple left and that's after washing and after picking so that's quite a bit to work with so that is the part I'm going to dive into first is the long staple length of the coat of this fleece so three pounds five ounces to work with so I did get all the picking done and I have started to sample so in sampling I first went to the source books that I have been in my library. So I looked through in sheep's clothing, the hand spinners guide to, to wool, the spinners book of fleece and 
the Fleece and Fiber Sourcebook. And I got a little something out of each of those books that helped me on this adventure. It's not specifically addressed, the Gotland, in the book in Sheep's Clothing, but there is quite a bit about long wool preparations. So let's talk a little bit about the Gotland fleece characteristics in and of themselves. So you can see what I'm like faced with, right? So this fleece is known for having a wide variety of staple lengths, three to seven inches. And like I said, the majority of my fleece is seven to eight inches actually. So it is definitely a long wool. It is known for being relatively long, having high luster, being dense, astonishingly wavy. It is very curly and beautiful. So I took a couple pictures and shared them on my Instagram. When, as I age, when I go gray, I want my hair to look like this fleece. I am a curly girl and I would absolutely be in love with myself if my hair grayed to look like this fleece. It is beautiful. The sheen, the curl of all the locks, it's lovely. And I'm certainly enjoying playing with it. So predominantly the natural colors are gray, like a light silvery gray, all the way through a charcoal or near black. The majority of mine is the silvery gray with those bits that are darker black. And I think that's mainly like head area and it's beautiful and I'm really enjoying it. But Honestly, this is the longest staple length of anything I've ever spun before. So it's definitely been a weird transition. In the sampling, I have decided first that I was going to do, I was going to comb it and do a true worsted spin. One, because I just, I think hand carding and turning a staple length of seven inches into Rolex is something I don't necessarily want to do. I think I would make a big, huge mess, but we'll see what happens with that. So right now I've done two different 10 gram sections that I have combed and dizzed off the combs. And I had two varying results. So I did it twice because the first time I spun it, I didn't actually get that level of luster that I was expecting to get in the yarn that I actually desired in the yarn. And let me tell you why. So one, There's a lot of static involved in combing fiber, especially where I live. We live in a very dry climate. The humidity in the air is very, very low. So inside my house, the humidity is 25% or lower. Outside, the humidity is typically 50% humidity or lower. So a lot of static. And because of that, There's a lot of flyaways and I think there's a tendency for it to curl back over itself when it sticks to the combs or sticks to itself. So it's kind of crazy. I actually never thought that I would have cause to use spinning oil or spinner's milk, but I did. So the second time around, I used spinning oil and there's a recipe for making your own spinner's oil in the Spinner's Guide to Fleece in her preparing long wool section. And it was actually super duper easy. And I made it out of stuff I had just laying around the house. So it's one part rubbing alcohol, two parts olive oil, and seven parts water. I actually chose to use baby oil, which is something that she said you could substitute for. So I used one part rubbing alcohol, two parts baby oil, and seven parts water. Mixed it up, shook it, and I have it in a little spray bottle. And I just loaded my combs, sprayed 
the locks, kind of massaged it through with my hands a little bit, and that mostly tamed the static. And when I spun that fiber, it actually retained its sheen. So I was very, very pleased with that. The only thing I didn't like was that I chose to do, because I wanted to see what I got in a three-ply, and I did a chain ply, but I think the length and density of this particular fiber is not a fan of chain plying because those loops in the chain ply didn't close all the way. Like you can clearly see, look, there's a little loop in your chain ply that's left over. It's like a quarter of an inch loop that is not clearly folding over itself. So I'm going to do another two 10 gram sections using the oil and see what I get. Maybe if I use more wraps per inch in my plying, those chain loops will go away. If not, I'm going to do, try a traditional three ply, but also I may just try to spin from the locks and see how that turns out because you can flick comb this pretty easily and just spin directly from the locks. So yeah, I am definitely learning a whole lot about this fleece in particular and about my processes and approaches to cleaning fleece that I think are going to help me out quite a bit as this little experiment goes on. So my big takeaway for anyone who is preparing to dive into a fleece that is not washed is spend a little bit of extra care and time in separating the fleece as you're washing it and as it's drying so that once it's fully dry, you don't have this whole mat situation (laughs) because that took me a lot longer than it would have if I took time to separate the locks before I washed it. I hope that made sense. But I'm learning a lot and it's a lot of fun and I should have some really good progress and some decisions made about how I'm going to spin this fiber to get the results I want by the time we have the next episode. And now it's on to spinning my wheels. I have finished nothing and I've spent a great deal of time fighting off the urge to start new things. <laughs> so I really wanted to finish the Brickyard Swancho, but I didn't. I did finish all the raglan increases and I have about an inch left of the lower part of the body before I transition into the ribbing. There's about, I think, two to three inches of ribbing at the bottom and then sleeves. And the sleeves are not full sleeves. It's just cuffs because this is a Swancho. So With the raglan increases, you build the majority of the body and the swancho sleeve. And then I think I'm going to try it on first and see exactly how long I want the ribbing on the end of the sleeves to be because I don't want it to bunch up at all when I wear it. So I'm going to calculate the length of ribbing at the sleeves that I need. So today I should be done with the body and ready to start on the ribbing to finish off the waist of the swancho. And then I will cut into those sleeves. So I don't think it's going to be like a sleeve island situation because I imagine it'll only be five to six inches of ribbing on either side and then that'll be done. So that should be pretty quick. The end is in sight for this sweater. And that's kind of primarily the only thing I've been knitting on, which is a lot. I mean... Sweaters are not, you know, a minimal number of stitches or anything like that. But by next episode, this should be done and blocked and probably worn a couple times. 
So I'm pretty excited about that. So I have in my head a new cowl design that popped in there while I think I was like exercising like on the treadmill or something. And I went, you know, it'd be cool. And it really took a lot for me not to just set everything else aside and cast on this cowl. But I'm doing really good. I want to finish the sweater. I did take some notes on what I think this cowl will be and how I will actually execute it so that I don't forget that brilliant idea I had on the treadmill. It it may not turn out as brilliant, but it started out as brilliant and I still think it's brilliant. We'll see. I've got notes ready to go. I haven't picked a yarn. I think it's going to be a worsted weight cowl because that's fun and easy and fast. <laughs> and I just finished that last cowl that I did was fingering weight, like 420 yards of fingering weight yarn. So I think I want something a little faster, quicker, and easier. And unfortunately, right now, when I work on those socks, um, yeah, conditions have to be optimal for me to do that because apparently my vision is not what it used to be. It's a little harder to work on if I'm in a restaurant or something like that. If it's darker, because I can't see where I left off on the patterning, that would be a benefit if it was legit. Those socks were legitimately plain Jane, because I would know when I picked it up that yes, you're just knitting stock of that stitch and you could just pick up wherever you left off and continue with that, but not so much with the patterning. That's been a little bit more challenging. I do have glasses that I typically only use for like work and reading on my computer. But it seems with the uh, aging of my eyes that I will have to start wearing those more often and for other things like close work. I did learn, I never thought I could do it, but I did learn that if I am knitting stockinette stitch on a heavier weight yarn and bigger needles, I can do it without looking. So that was something new. I, so I had to read like some like hundred page document for work and I was like so bored out of my skull. So I'm like, well, you know, the majority of the body of this sweater is stockinette stitch. Let's see if I can do this. And yes, I can knit stockinette stitch, probably flat garter as well while reading. And that made me happy because I've never been able to read knit before. <laughs> so that's all I've got going on on the knitting tip. In other spinning, we already talked about the fleece and what's going on with that and how good I feel about that. But I have also been spinning on that sampler. It started with some Targi fleece. I did five different preparations or drafting methods and spun five five gram samples. And depending on the weight that the yarn ended up, it you know, they turned out anywhere between like eight yards and 12 yards, depending on how fine the spin was and what the prep was. So I like this sampler. I think it's going to be great to get to try 12 different kinds of fiber that I probably wouldn't have just gone out and sought in a collection before. The only thing I don't like about this particular sampler is, God bless America, as I'm recording, I have to go back because I was supposed to be doing seed stitch on this section of the sweater and I didn't. I just kind of transitioned to stockinette while I was talking about stockinette. Okay. Okay. Back to the sampler. It's good that I get to try 12 different kinds of fiber 
that I probably wouldn't come across or have selected on my own in these small batches to try. The only thing that I would recommend is if you are going to try a sampler or thinking about it, look for one that is unprepared fibers. Like clean is fine. Like clean locks off of the animal's back would be great. But this sampler includes only top. So it's a little bit more difficult to really see what a true woolen preparation, how that would react because it's already been fully processed into top. I did do a woolen preparation. So I re-carded one of the five gram sections and spun from Rolex, but I don't know that that's a true representation of, of how it would turn out if I had just a bag of fleece and was carting it up. So I would recommend that if you're going to do a sampler, don't pick one that is just top because you can turn it in top yourself. You can do true worsted and true woolen preparations on your own. It'd be cool if it was clean, but I believe that there are some samplers out there where you get dirty fleece and you start literally from the ground up by, you know, picking your small batch and washing your small batch to see exactly how the fiber reacts to all those things. So I'm definitely trying a variety of fibers, but I don't think I'm getting everything I could out of this sampler only because all of the samples come commercially processed in top. So that would be my recommendation to you. But I'm learning a lot. I've never spun Targi before. It is, it seems similar to me to spinning a merino top. It's pretty soft. Staple length is three to four inches. And it was pretty easy. Of the five samples that I completed and washed, I like that fiber in my traditional semi-worsted short for, short forward draft. I've described it a couple times on the podcast. And I just like the way that the, I like the consistency that I ended up with. I like the feel of the fiber. It's got a little bit more sheen, but it's also very soft and squishy and lovely. So yeah. And unfortunately, because of these other bigger projects, I'm not going to have time to spin up the whole bag at this point. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to put my samples in and my notes in the bag with the Targi, the remaining three ounces or so of, of the fiber and put it away and move on to the next sample. So should be very interesting. But yeah, so I've been spinning away, been getting a few things accomplished, and I will have lots more to share with you next time around. Before I finish spinning my wheels, I wanted to give you a update on the craft room status. So I've undertaken the craft room deep clean, and this is as far as I've gotten. All of the things that were not in their place are out of the craft room and in my little foyer downstairs. And what I'm doing now is actually organizing those things and putting them away where they belong as they go back into the craft room. So that's one of those things that'll probably take me till the next episode to get that finished because I really like I'll take a 15 minute break from work, head downstairs, do 15 minutes of cleaning and then go back to work for, you know, the rest of the day. But it's a nice break and it gives me something to break up the monotony of my work schedule. So that's pretty good. And that is all I've got going on and spinning my wheels. In this episode, I'm going to put my spin on my latest read. I just finished reading 
The Whole Art of Spinning by Carol Kroll. This book was published in 1981, so it is 42 years old. And it was a really, really interesting read because there are definitely some terminologies that were used 42 years ago that you don't often hear or read in more modern books. And it was very, very interesting to read like from a perspective from 40 plus years ago. So the book covers like the whole lot of spinning. It really does cover all of the same things that you usually find in a modern book. Introduction is the story of spinning. It talks about fiber prep, spinning with a spindle, spinning with a wheel, finishing the yarn, buying a spin a spinning wheel and talks about various different fibers. The majority of the book covers spinning wool, but she also talks about animal fibers and plant fibers and it's really really interesting and novelty yarns and then using your hand spun. It's very and then there's a huge section at the back that's sources for supplies. Like there's a huge list in the back of this book that covers a bunch of different spinning supply stores and their locations. And it's really, really interesting. And I'm like, well, I may go back through that list and look up some of those places to see if they're still open because that would be really, really cool. So I obtained a copy of this book as an ebook through my local library. And it was just a really, really interesting read. Like here's, here's a few things that you see or don't see in modern reference material for spinning that I just hadn't come across before. One, she talks about blood grades and that there are three categories of sheep, fine wools, crossbreeds, and mutant breeds. So I kind of, I think I've heard a little bit about that, but not in the same level of granularity that you see in some of the more modern reference books for sheep breeds and, and fleece types. So that was really cool. She, when she talks about spindles, she doesn't talk about weights. Like often today, if you talk about spinning with a spindle, usually the author will reference the weight of the spindle in grams and lighter, you know, let fewer grams, you're going to get a lighter, thinner single out of it. This only talks about sizes, like lengths of the spindle. And it was just a definitely a different perspective than I'd seen before. What else? There was definitely an interesting vernacular compared to what I'm used to seeing. And it was very, very cool. So like when she talks about spinning wheels, she doesn't talk about drive band ratios at all. Like not even mentioned once. I think in a couple, when she describes some historic wheels, she talks about two, but she doesn't actually refer to them as drive ratios which we're definitely used to. And it's super commonplace now. And it threw me for a loop a bit, but it was definitely an interesting read. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I think she spends, well, she spends quite a bit of time describing spindles and spinning wheels and more illustration or photos would have been great. Instead of like walking through her visual descriptions, it would have helped me out a lot to have more illustrations in the book. There were some, but not as many as I would have liked to see. But it was definitely interesting. I recommend it. It's it's only 42 years old, but there's a definite difference. And you can see what kind of advances have come in spinning and the science in spinning if you compare that to reading a modern book on spinning. It was really cool. I, I really enjoyed it. Oh, another thing I learned from this book that I would not have ever known is that spinning flax is the origin for the term toe head. So toe, T-O-W, not T-O-E. I didn't know this. You may have already known, you may know this, but I did not know this. It's T-O-W and it's a portion of flax fiber when you're preparing it. That is that light blonde color 
And it's almost like the waist, short bits of flax that are kind of like, you know, crazy little kid hairs. <laughs> and I just had no idea that spinning flax fiber and the process and the terminology for that is where the term toe-headed came from. And I just think that's hilarious. I had to like look it up again in another source to go, really? Is that? And it is. But it was an interesting read. I learned a lot about how far spinning as a craft has come. And it was just really cool. And this woman has spun everything. Like there's so many kinds of animal fibers from pet fibers to, yeah, that she talks about that are like, I would have never, ever, ever thought to spin that. You know, I have a very shetty dog. I have no interest in collecting the combings from the back of this animal and spinning it. But the, but Carol Kroll has spun tons of stuff and she talks a lot about it in the book. It was very, very interesting. So again, that is The Whole Craft of Spinning from Raw Materials to Finish Yarn by Carol Kroll. And it was a really, really interesting read and I highly recommend it. Like I said, it's probably available in an e-reader format through multiple sources. I borrowed it from my local library as an e-reader and I highly recommend it. Well, it looks like it is time to spin off this episode of Spin Control. Thanks to everybody again who took the time to go over to Ravelry and DM me or post in the Spin Control podcast fan group about your thoughts on the format and everything we've got going on over here at the podcast. And hey, feel free to keep chiming in if you want to share your thoughts. I'd really appreciate it. And we can see if maybe we can get some more interactions and communication going on over there on that board. And I look forward to hearing more from you guys. And I heard this earlier today and I wanted to share it with you because sometimes I forget. Please remember, we are each one of a kind, limited edition. There is no one like you. There is no one like me. I'm very pleased that we can come together as part of a little community with shared experience and shared interest. And I'm happy you all are joining me here. The song leading us out today, I also heard recently during a workout. It is Coldplay. The song is The Scientist. And when I heard it, it made my heart light. And I hope it does the same for you. As always, you can get the details about this episode and all the past episodes at spincontrolpodcast.com. You can email me at shiloh at foreverhandmade.com. Catch me on Ravelry and Instagram as Forever Handmade. Thanks again, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Come up to meet you Tell you I'm sorry You don't know how lovely you are I had to find you Tell you I need you Tell you I set you apart Tell me your secrets Ask me your questions Oh, let's go back to the start Running in circles Coming in tails Heads on a silence apart Nobody said it was easy Oh
Stop. 